Chapter 15 20 minutes later, Sam carries a passed-out Dean to his room. Forearms with flexing cords tuck under his older brother's sprawling back and wedge under knees. I follow behind the massive beanpole, holding his also not-too-shabby-in-stature brother. Dean's head bounces and sways backward to Sam's gait. He looks downright precious with his mouth agape. The unconscious damsel in distress, carted away from danger by the hero, is stirring up wild images in my head. He's laid out on the bed I helped make this morning. I lean against the door sill and wait for instructions. The takeout bag I rescued from my jeep during the surgery dangles from my clutches. Sam removes Dean's boots. He checks the bandages wrapped around his midsection to keep the gauze over the stitches in place. He nods at his work and smiles as he steps to me. I think he'll sleep fine for another few hours. Most of the blood wasn't his. Wasn't as bad as it looked. He steps out into the hall to lean on the opposite side, arms folded, biceps pressed against the sill. We stare at Dean, doting parents having just put their child to bed. I nod. That's what he said earlier. A shiver skirts up my spine. Still, that was some sewing job you had to do. Another scar, another story to tell over a beer. Sam smiles. Thanks, Winner. You really did well tonight. I hope so. Last thing I wanted to do was make things worse. He shrugs. Sometimes we take things a little more routine than we should. We've been doing this for so long that danger sneaks up on us because we get complacent. Don't tell Dean I said that. He'll deny it. I smile. What now? Cliff's been working on the phone. I'll see if he's pulled any data from it. I should probably help him get the body somewhere we can get a better look. He catches my reaction and chuckles. Don't worry. We won't use the library for that. Sam's long finger points to Dean. Want to stay with him for a bit? Then do an all-night gram session? Research sounds like an excellent idea. I'll get a pot of coffee started. He rubs my shoulder, then treks down the hall to find Cliff. The plastic bag shifts and crinkles with my steps into the bedroom. I pull out the styrofoam container stuffed with three slices of pie. I find a home for it on the nightstand with a few napkins and take out fork and spoon on top. Tidy up mode kicks in. The empty bag is filled with a couple of empty water bottles and beer cans littering the top of his desk. I'm about to leave the room and grab him more water bottles when some coughs get my attention. One of his whiskey glasses will have to do for now. I fill it up using the wall-mounted sink by the door. I stand over him, debate if I should wake him to take a drink, but he quiets down and I leave it by the pie instead. Two fingers skim his forehead. No fever. Good news. Hopefully his wounds were sterilized well enough so there's no infection. Sam did use antiseptic, too. Dean's lips part. He inhales deep. Gravity and painkillers have relaxed much of his appearance. I skim the side of his face, run pads down the curves of his neck, around the bandaged bite, and over a large round shoulder. The dirty suit pants he's still wearing make me grip my teeth together. Well, I sigh. 
It's not a sponge bath, Winchester. I undo the buckle and pull the leather belt free. But it'll have to do. I start to worry that he'll need more first aid from something we missed when I pull down his pants. I struggle tugging the fabric out from under his fine ass. He moans at the action, then utters my name soft on an exhale. Winner? Go back to sleep, I whisper back. The more Dean revealed, the more difficult it gets to keep my thoughts PG. Lucky for me, everything below the waist looks intact. I fight the urge to take his boxer briefs off, just to be thorough in my assessment. There's a throw blanket at the base of the bed. I pull it over those fine bow legs and cute little black business socks. He catches my wrist with a firm grip, even with eyes peeking behind slitted, heavy lids. You okay? He mumbles. Concern replaces the peace that was on his face. I'm not going to leave until the meeting starts, okay? The meds are definitely working. I'm fine, Dean. We're all back in the bunker safe. Sleep. He hums and smiles. Eyes close. Something else, Winner. What, Dean? You're something else. Something special. I smile. Knew that. First time I laid eyes on you. Dean. My face heats up. This man has done all sorts of things to excite and arouse me, utilizing all five senses. A lingering gaze. A gravelly rumble. A feathery touch. A heavenly musk. A salty sweet taste. He's been deep inside and stared into my soul. But witnessing him do whatever this is now, this medicated, not quite lucid confessional, is making my heart skip in a brand new way. He hums again. They're just too good to be true. He starts to sing. Can't take my eyes off of you. He has, though, taken his eyes off me, with lids shut tight. I place a hand over my mouth to quiet the giggle. He does an amazing segue from Frankie Valley to Christine McVie, nodding his head to the music only he hears. His fingers slide around mine, his eyes still closed, lost in a half-dream. Don't, don't break the spell. It will be different and you know it will. You. You make love and fun. And I don't have to tell you, but you're the only one. He abandons the melody, ending with an abrupt side nuzzle into the pillow. Loving you is fun, Winner. He's the one that breaks the spell a few seconds later with an immediate, loud, obnoxious snore. I slip from his grasp and walk toward the hall. With the close of his bedroom door, I whisper my own confessional. Loving you is fun too, Dean. My phone pulses, somewhere. It's what wakes me from my dream, but my pillow is not as soft as I remember, and it smells musty like it needs a good wash. I groan and flip my head to the other side. I feel a slip of paper across my chin. That's weird. I come to, 
realizing I'm not lying in bed. I've fallen asleep in the Men of Letters library and toppled my seated self headfirst into whatever I was researching. Sticky blinks attempt to pry lids apart. I groan at the kink in my neck from the hunched-over position I was in for a few hours. I hope I didn't drool all over the volume. Oh no. The phone displays that I've got less than a half hour to get myself to the library. Thursdays are my late days, but I'm going to be beyond late. With everything that occurred last night, my regular life and responsibilities took a back seat. I grab the phone off the tabletop and swipe. I'll need to haul ass. I won't even have time to shower. The missed call notification makes me cuss. The text message that buzzes makes me cuss again. Ricky. So I'm here. You're not. Call me, Mom. Or I call the cops next. I call back without thinking of what it is I'm going to say. Where the hell are you? The panic in Ricky's voice has raised it by a couple of octaves. Morning to you, too, I sass him. Want to let me in on the family emergency you had? Because Cindy texted me and hoped I was all right. Wanted me to let you know not to worry about coming in. They had it covered so you could take care of whatever was going on. Christ. Cindy always had a soft spot for Ricky. He'd spend hours at the library with me after school when he was little. She even gave him a junior librarian title. I'm waiting, Mom. Chair legs skip along the tiled floor when I push back out of the seat and rise. My head rotates left, then right. I swirl on my heels, no one around. The contents of my son's text sink in. You said you're here? Where's here? He sighs. At the house. Mom, are you okay? Is there some history of elderly dementia in our family that you forgot to tell me about? I bite my tongue at the acerbic wit. Geriatric humor. Nice. You sounded weird over the phone this weekend. And then when I got the message from Cindy... Even through the disorientation, my heart gets squishy. My big little guy was worried about his mommy. I'm fine, Ricky. Well, that's great, but I'm not going anywhere. You don't have... You owe me a home-cooked lunch. Then, the panic flooded my veins. He's in Smith Center, which is a lot closer to Stockton than Lawrence. This means my son is a lot closer to vampires now. Deal. See you in a half hour. I end the call, slam the book I was reading shut, and head out of the library toward Dean's bedroom. The bedroom door swings open to an empty room and disheveled sheets. I don't have time to search for Dean. Where the hell is everybody? I grab my overnight bag and decide to try the kitchen at least on my way out. Cliff is the only one there, feasting on a bowl of sugary cereal. Morning, winner. I give him a slight wave. Hey, Cliff. Know where Sam and Dean are? Supposing Sam is still sleeping. He was up pretty late trying to crack that phone open for some clues. Dean moseyed in about five minutes ago, looking like death warmed over. Said he was getting a shower. We've got the body in the fridge to look at again a little later. He points, with a spoon dripping milk, to one of many tall stainless steel doors to his right and my left. The men of letters took everything seriously, even commercial-type refrigeration. I shudder, 
hoping the body has been wrapped up and isn't dripping all over any leftovers. How the hell is this my life right now? Gotcha. Whichever one you see first, would you let them know I had to head home? I nod and turn for the hall. Thinking that's the best idea, ma'am? I tip my head and stare at his raised eyebrows. I do. I'll be back in a couple hours. There's no time for polite concern when all I can think of is Ricky. Twenty minutes into the drive home, I had called Ricky. I asked him to check the fridge. I pushed away the image of a body chilling vertically back at the bunker. When he confirmed I didn't have a can of buttermilk biscuits, I decided to pull into Jean's grocery to grab those and a rotisserie chicken. It would only add another ten minutes or so to the trip. I am not one to disappoint my Ricky when he asks to be fed. I don't get the chance to feed him in real time anymore, and I have missed him. My phone buzzes again in my purse while I travel to the deli section. I answer without looking. My brain reverts to autopilot, transported back in time to years ago, when it was just Ricky and me. I expect to be reminded by my 12-year-old to pick up milk and ranch Doritos. The combination flavor profile makes me queasy from memory alone. What'd I forget? I ask. Kiss me goodbye to start, Dean answers. Before I even get a chance to form a retort, he continues. What's going on? He sounds out of breath and super close in my ear. Nothing? A big old nothing of something that you had to go home? A few loud knocks fill the background. I wonder what he's up to and release a sigh. Ricky's at the house. My eyes light up when I find three rotisserie chickens, hot and steamy in their containers to choose from. All of that roasted, seared, spiced, rubbed goodness from the racks behind the counter, cooking the next batch, fills my nose. Oh, the surprise is apparent in his voice. That's how I felt. I know I should have stayed put, Dean, but he was worried after he got tipped off about me missing work. And with everything that happened... Well, sweetheart, he interrupts. I hope you'll understand that I was worried, too. My insides warm up at his confession. He's going to heat me up more than the poultry that I've deposited into my cart. But all those feelings hit a brick wall and collide in my brain when I hear a very familiar voice on Dean's end of the call. Hello? Can I help you? Ricky. God damn it. My body freezes in the middle of an aisle I've turned down. Uh, yeah, um, I was just looking for Miss Winter. Dean's voice is farther away. I'm guessing he's got the phone by his side now. Dean Campbell, right? Yeah. Never forget those memorable requests. There's a pause. You needed all the information we could dig up on soul leaders? God, that's right. Ricky helped out one year at the library during spring break. Dean had come in and I'd introduced Ricky. I even let him assist us with the research. Probably not the best call. My astute son had teased me after Dean left that I might want to wipe the drool off my chin. Rick Winner. My son may be a smartass, but he's a polite smartass. I'd bet the rotisserie chicken in my cart he stuck a hand out for Dean to shake. And then, the call drops. God damn it.
Chapter 16 I was in such a hurry to get the hell home that I didn't have time to make idle chit-chat with Rose at the register. There's worry mixed in with adrenaline. I repeat the thought in my head that Dean made up some excuse on the fly about why he'd been by to see me. He probably went with the research angle Ricky opened up. Probably asked my son if he'd be kind enough to let his dear old mother know he'd be by the library to follow up on something. Dean was quick, sharp. He'd get out of there right away. That's what I'm hoping as I increase my speed. But my hopes have been flung off a cliff, dashed against jagged boulders, when I spot Dean's Impala parked behind Ricky's compact on the street. I pull into the driveway, grab my groceries, and head to the door. Someone should not be in this much of a hurry to face a firing squad. The door opens for me as I step onto the porch. Ricky's lanky, tall frame bounds out of the doorway and grabs bags like he always does. His brown floppy hair and cute little Superman curl makes me smile wide and forget my reason for panicking. He brushes his lips against my cheek. From the looks of it, I'm going to have leftovers to take back with me. I try to make small talk, playing the oblivious card. When have I ever let you leave the house empty-handed? My gaze wanders past the little entryway alcove to the right. That's when I see Dean. He's seated in the living room, perched on the middle couch cushion. I don't even need to ask why. Because, of course, Ricky invited him to stay and wait for whatever it was that he needed to ask me. Because I'd be home soon. He offered Dean the glass of water now clutched in a death grip. Dean was offered it because I taught my son to be polite. And Ricky remembers to follow my advice at the most inopportune times. I'm a horrible actress, but I try to look surprised when I speak. Mr. Campbell? Ricky shoots me a wide smile and stands off to the side to watch the show, holding the grocery bags. I step into the living room. Dean rises. He's wearing a rich garnet-colored button-up and faded jeans. The vision of him drenched in all that blood the night before turns my stomach. But when I stare into those green eyes, I'm lost for a few seconds. He still looks tired. Crinkles around his eyes are deeper than usual. And the skin around his right eye is bruised with a purple undertone. And yet, his mere presence makes me forget to breathe. I inhale due to my body's need for oxygen. I thought that was your car out there. I remind myself to keep it civil, pleasant, like I'm bumping into a neighbor. I wait and give Dean room to take the conversation wherever it needs to go. My skin is warming. Ricky is going to get way too much enjoyment out of my embarrassment. Dean smiles back. Oh no, he looks flustered too. The confidence, the ease of deflection. I don't see any of it. Now my heart speeds up. Did he let something slip when he was alone with my son? Sorry, I should have called first, but I was in the area and wanted to check in on you. He shifts on his heels and points to my cardigan, resting on another couch cushion. And bring you the sweater you forgot. Oh? My mouth goes dry. I have no other response. He was being sweet and worried, coming after me, bringing an article of clothing I left at the bunker. He was ambushed with Ricky opening my front door, and he still managed to cover up my blunder that didn't prepare him. He's good. 
Dean opens his mouth to provide me with more help. Ricky pipes up instead. Mr. Campbell said you were having some car trouble the other day. Dean continues. Outside a center theater. He nods, hard. You left the sweater in my car. His eyebrows raise, encouraging me to go along with the ruse. After I gave you the ride to Mace Body Shop for a tow and then dropped you back home. He taps on the water glass. I wipe my brow, trying to sell my incredulity. With all that was going on that day, I trail off. Thank you for being nice enough to drop by and return it. You've been so helpful already. Dean tips his head. No problem at all. You didn't mention you had problems with the Jeep. Ricky's statement to me sounds like a question. Why were you? Uh, got taken care of. I wave. I can tell he's about to ask something else. Sweetie, would you bring that stuff into the kitchen? I need to shred up the chicken and start on lunch. Owe you a home-cooked meal, remember? Dean steps closer. Well, enjoy lunch. He gulps down some more water and rests the glass on a coaster atop the coffee table. Sounds like you're owed a home-cooked meal too, Mr. Campbell. Ricky smiles with every part of his face, including his dark blue eyes. You should stay if you have time. My mom cheats a bit, but makes some amazing chicken and dumplings. I want to smack every single polite urge out of my son at that moment. Dean shakes his head. Oh, I I couldn't impose. I'm sure Mr. Campbell has somewhere to be. I rush out the assumption even before Dean can finish. I do. Otherwise, I'd definitely take you up on the offer. I sigh in relief. Ricky gives me a side-eye glance. He's perfected this reaction from watching me do it way too many times to him. My bag boy, who's the same height as Dean, gives him a weighted wave since he can't extend a hand to shake. Well, it was nice seeing you again, Mr. Campbell. Thanks for helping Mom out. My pleasure. He shoots Ricky a finger gun. And next time we meet, call me Dean. I'll walk you out. I offer, way too eager to rush to the door and open it for him. Dean's posture turns rigid when he walks past me. I can feel the pull to try and latch onto him. My hurry to close the door behind us slams it hard and makes me flinch. He glides down the porch steps, then waits for me to walk beside him on the concrete path. I didn't expect to see you when I got here, I mumble. I figured you would have hauled ass. I tried. Ricky doesn't miss much, does he? Why? He recognized the sweater I had in my hand was yours. I came up with the car story, and then he had to invite me in for details. When we reached the Impala, he must have noticed the worry on my face. I kept it pretty vague, Winter. Whatever you heard was the extent of it. You can fill in the blanks and it should be fine. I'm sorry, Dean. He shakes his head. I like talking to him again. Besides, probably a good idea that I stayed to make sure nothing weird was lurking about. His gaze burns into me. You raised a good man. I watch him lean in, then stop. Enjoy the time. Then give me a call when he leaves. The door opens with a creak. I nod. And save me some of those chicken and dumplings. He chuckles and slides into the driver's seat. Ricky's long arms cocoon me tight. So tight. I try to remember when he started being the hugger instead of the hugged in our mother-son relationship. I wait on the sidewalk while he starts the engine, 
of his too-small-for-his-tall-frame clown car. A peek into the passenger side window gives me a glimpse of how far back his seat is positioned to accommodate the stilts called legs. Apparently, the benefits of great gas mileage are worth my son's dignity. His father would have never understood. The compact makes a sharp turn back up the road the way he arrived. He taps his horn twice. I wave, wrap the cardigan Dean returned around my waist close. I want to hold on to the warmth of my Ricky a little longer. I give Dean a quick text update as I head into the house. My son is on his way back to Lawrence with strict instructions to let me know when he makes it there. I can't help but be proud of Ricky. My son has taken care of me as much as I've taken care of him over the years. We figured things out together. After Rick, it had been just the two of us for a long time. Extended family was there, of course, but the loss we shared was distinct and specific to our nucleus. What was once three was suddenly two. We leaned on each other. It was hard. Messy. Scary. He grew up into a little man quicker than I'd ever wanted him to. But I wouldn't have survived it without him. Not as well, that's for damn sure. Even when Lou had proposed to me, I had to see how Ricky felt about it first before I even thought about accepting. At 13, Ricky had other teen issues that were of greater importance. But he did tell Lou the main thing he had to promise. My soon-to-be husband would always decide on the big things with me, not for me. Since that's how I treated him, Ricky explained, it was only fair I was treated the same by the man I was going to share a life with. Yeah, he's pretty great. He's going to make some guy really happy someday. The efforts of my cooking and our subsequent eating are on display all over the kitchen. He'd offered to stay and help me with the cleanup, but I insisted I could take care of it. I really wanted him as far away from Stockton and this very active and very dangerous vampire case. When we'd sat down at the counter to eat earlier, I took the roundabout way around the last few days' events. I'd painted myself in a corner a couple of times and then attempted to hop onto another topic. He knew something was up, but he didn't push too much. Even though he wondered out loud what Dean had been involved in with the shiner, bandaged neck, and bruised knuckles. I did a horrible job feigning ignorance on that one, too. In the end, he seemed content to know I was fine. I'm about to roll up my sleeves and get to work when Ricky rings me. Forget something? I haven't, but Mr. Campbell has, apparently. I just passed him on the road, heading back your way. I'm dumbfounded and at a complete loss. My silence is answer enough. Whatever I interrupted, I'm sorry. You both were hilariously inept with the cover-up, by the way. I sigh. I thought we did an okay job. He cackles loud enough over the phone that I have to pull it back from my ear. Have fun. Stay safe. I cringe at the parroting of my sexual encounters advice. Ricky, love you, Mom. If it turns into something serious... Let me know when I need to have the talk with him. He hangs up. I dial Dean. No need for hello as he continues our conversation. Everything go all right? Yep, he's driving. There's the white noise mix of a turned down radio and air resistance as he talks on speakerphone. I want to ask him why he doesn't use wireless earbuds. I imagine he would provide some sass about not wanting to look douchey.
Yes. I take it you didn't head back to the bunker? Hung out by the gas station until the coast was clear. Didn't want to be too far. I decide not to tell him that Ricky saw right through our ruse. Sam have any luck yet? Nah. Still working on the phone. Cliff had to head out and give another hunter an assist with some werewolves in Nebraska. I can hear the Impalas rumble up the road. We'll get something soon. My bag is still in my car. Give me about ten minutes to clean up and I can follow you back? What about those chicken and dumplings? I giggle. I can pack them to go. There's time to eat. An abrupt, deep change in his tone has me thinking he's talking about something else. Well, he causes me to stutter. We wouldn't want you to starve. No, that would end badly. See you in 30 seconds. A sweep of my fingers pulls the side light curtain aside. He rolls up in his black beauty, then hops out and strolls around her trunk. A beeline to my front door closes the distance in no time. Man, the voyeur in me could watch that purposeful strut of his all damn day. No knock. Dean's jiggling the door handle as I struggle with the lock. When I finally manage to open it, he's pushing in while I'm pulling. Where's the fire, chief? I smile, but only for a second as the momentum drives him forward. He's all sorts of serious and focused with his stare down. The door swings shut from a forceful smack. I step back to avoid a full-on collision. He keeps marching, herding me backward into the hallway. My back meets the sage-painted drywall. The items on a nearby side table rattle. Palms lay flat against the wall on either side of my head. Arms locked at the elbow are the only reason he hasn't pressed that sculptured physique against me. He tilts his head down, lids heavy. Those eyes rake over me. I gulp. You seem to like me in this position. Dean allows a smile to dance over those lips. What position is that? Up against a wall. Trapped. An eyebrow pops up. Makes it sound like I'm taking something you weren't willing to give up. His fingers trace my jawline. The thumb glides over my bottom lip like he's turning the page in a novel. I can stop. I sigh. You do and I'll kick your ass. His soft chuckle tickles my nose. What happened to my sweet little caretaker from last night? She's off duty. I reach up on tiptoes to kiss that pouting bottom lip. The moan I get in response is eager. My hands snatch the back of his head to urge him into my personal space. His mouth opens and soon there's a delicious tangle of tongues. His kitten licks, lip sways, and nose nudges drive me crazy. Dean, I whisper into his mouth. Hmm? He doesn't stop kissing. How are those stitches? I'm all good, sweetheart. Don't you worry. His lips brush along my forehead. Shouldn't we? Hmm? He's attacking my mouth again. Get back to the bunker? We will. He groans and leans back. I'm hungry, remember? The tips of my hair get a slight tug. Did you save me some lunch? I smile and nod. The man is a food hoover. He finishes two servings of chicken and dumplings in no time. He watched me take care of some things in the kitchen while he ate. Then he helped. 
I forgot to complain about the lack of a dishwasher with him beside me, sharing the chore. I gotta say, Winner, you're a pretty good cook. He leans into my side, rotating a towel clockwise to dry one of my favorite dishes. I like easy recipes that are sort of nutritious and taste great. I offer him a dripping bowl that I gave a quick rinse. Sam says you have a very unhealthy relationship with bacon. I nudge him back. My hip bounces against muscle. My brother is one hop away from turning into Peter Rabbit. Water splashes us both as I rinse out the big pot. Is this really your life? His eyes prod me to continue. Almost killed by a vampire last night, helping me wash dishes today like it's just another Thursday. As long as it's not Tuesday on repeat, yeah, this is my life. He holds the pot like a bongo drum under an arm to swirl the towel around the interior. He studies me hard now. Too much for you? I pull the plug. The water in the sink circles the drain. Not for me to judge. Not my life. He nods slow. Well, you were really interested in helping me out with my life. Now that you saw it firsthand. Would you want to be an unofficial man of letters? A toss drapes the damp towel over his shoulder. The pot flips in his dexterous fingers. He taps on the base of the pot. A rhythmic pattern forms. I mean, we could do a whole initiation thing with chicken blood and dancing naked in the forest around a bonfire. Focus on the actual substance of his ranting. My fingers wrap around as much of his massive forearms as I can to still him. Really? You'd want me to help? He smiles, warm and soft. Yeah, I mean, you've already assisted a ton over the years without knowing how big it all is. And there's still a lot more to learn. If you want... But if you're good with things going back to how they were, well, yeah, we can do that too. I pinch my lips tight for a second. What does that mean? Just that. Things can go back to how they were. All of it? I grab the pot from his hands and stash it in a bottom cabinet. He lifts a finger. I'm missing a key piece of information in this talk. I can feel it. My hand perches on my hip when I stand back up. What about the dating for fun part? Where does that fit in all this? He swoops in close. The towel snaps off his shoulder and twirls around my neck. He catches the other end and pulls me into him. He's fisting it, dragging me up as he descends. Cool wetness soaks into my hair and skin. He's got me trapped. Again. I don't have any plans of stopping this. Green eyes sparkle. A jaw clench dampens my panties. Unless you want me to. I shake my head. He smiles, releases me. I catch my breath, but it's only for a second. Before I can ask what he's doing, I gasp. He's literally sweeping me off my feet and cradling me in his arms. Dean! His lips press along mine and silence any other screeching. He tastes like chicken. I haven't gotten a tour yet. He murmurs into my mouth. I bounce with his strides. My hands wrap around his neck, trying to avoid the bandage covering his bite. Shouldn't you be taking it easy? He ignores my question. We travel past the living room down the short hall. Bathroom? He peeks into one open doorway, then turns. I smile when his eyes light up. Here we go. His boot pushes my bedroom door open. The inspection is thorough, 
similar to what mine must have looked like to him of his abode some nights back. It's not much to look at in my opinion. I painted the walls myself when I moved in, a soft pastel blue because I read that it was a good relaxation color, and because I didn't have anyone else to have to please. My nightstands are mini bookshelves, packed with books I've collected over the years and love to reread on the lower shelves. Nighttime necessities rest on top. The furniture is white and a little distressed. I went for a coastal vibe with some added pops of coral and sea green here and there. It's the closest I figured I'd get to a beach resort in a while. My cheeks are warming at the amount of time he's taking, clocking every item with his eyes. I grip his neck tighter. A smile emerges on those tasty lips. He tips his gaze to mine. This is nice. I grin. Yeah? He nods and carries me to the bed. Maybe you'll invite me to stay over one night? Open invitation, Winchester. That makes his smile grow wide. Yeah? He doesn't wait for me to answer. His lips are open and warm when they press into my mouth. He rests me onto my cushy comforter. My head sinks into way too many decorative pillows. They are about to tumble on top of me as he rises up. But Dean is quicker. He grabs and tosses them onto the floor in haphazard chucks. I was worried about you last night. When I got jumped and I came to, all I wanted to do was get back and make sure you were all right. He sits and settles by my side. Not because I wasn't sure you could handle yourself. His fingers trace my jaw. Maybe from now on, though, you help back at the bunker, where it's safe. I gulp down the emotion. It's rushing up and threatens to spill out of my throat. He worries. Cares. Oh God, this really is more than a fun fling and I want to ride it out with him to whatever the conclusion might be. I can only nod back. Yeah? He asks, quiet. Research is my specialty. I shrug. He smiles. I think you might have some other special skills. I lean up on elbows and catch his bottom lip. Want to see if we can go for a spin and not pop those stitches? There's that grin. Open invitation, winner. <laughs>